today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I feel like sometimes in the health and wellness space, people feel overwhelmed. They're like, I have to cut this out. I have to be restrictive. I can't eat this. I have to have a three-hour morning routine and a bedtime routine. And I have to devote so much time and so much energy to supplement. Like, It doesn't have to be that way. I really like to make things as easy as possible and show you that you can make these small changes. And it's just about finding what's going to work best for your body. And once you figure that out, within a couple of cycles, you're going to feel so much better. And it's just so exciting because you don't have to feel like you're cutting out all your favorite foods and feeling like you're spending hours in a day counting how many pills you need to take and making up this huge routine for your bedtime and morning. It really is just small, simple changes that can make a big difference over time. Well, hello there. I'm your host for today, Dr. Kate Henry. And today I'm talking with Dr. Saru Bala, a naturopathic doctor and creator of the Period Solutions Academy. Dr. Bala has a degree in neurobiology from the University of Texas at Austin and is a naturopathic doctor who helps people find and heal the root cause of their hormonal issues using natural methods first. In this episode, we go in depth about the true causes of hormonal issues, heavy bleeding, painful periods, and more. Did you know, for example, that your gut and liver health directly impact your ability to metabolize your hormones or that insulin is also a hormone? that many functional medicine doctors check along with estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone when they're working up period issues. You'll love today's episode if you or someone you love are looking for options beyond birth control for managing period or hormone symptoms. Before we get started, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, Chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine Podcast is created by Rupa Health. Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 30 different labs in one single place for free. Thank goodness. No need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. If you're a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create your free account today. While you're there, you can also try out our latest tools like the meal plan generator and lab shops, which make practicing functional medicine easier than ever. So cool. Now let's start the show. Dr. Sarubala, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you here. You have become one of the world's most famous PMS and period health doctors for good reason. You do a lot of education about this on social media. It's no wonder why so many people follow you, teach people it's possible to heal from things like hot flashes, heavy bleeding, PMS, and more through your Period Solutions Academy. So I want to start out with the most powerful question right out of the gate. What's the one thing you wish more people knew about their period health? I love this question. And honestly, I really wish more people would just know what's normal and what's not and when to seek further help so that you can get back to a healthy baseline. What's normal for bleeding? What's normal for pain? What's normal for your PMS, your moods, breast tenderness, headaches, acne? Is any of that normal? How heavy you're bleeding? How long your cycles are? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I really want people to just be more in touch with their periods and having that idea because so many people, I think in our society, like your periods are just brushed off or it's taboo. We don't talk about it or you want to ignore it. You're like, I'm going to take an Advil. I'm going to take a Tylenol. I don't want to feel my period. I don't want to know I have it. We just cover it up so much to the point that we may not even pay attention to it 
And you don't know, am I having a period that's too heavy? Is my period supposed to be this painful? Am I supposed to feel this miserable before my period starts? You don't talk about it with your friends. You don't talk about it with other women. You just have no idea. I feel like I see people ask you this all the time on Instagram. I feel like you're constantly answering these questions for folks. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's mind boggling to me that no one is talking about this. Your doctors aren't giving you this information. We don't learn it in school. You just have to DIY period health information on your own as you get older and start having your own problems. So if we talked about this more for like teenagers when they start their periods to know, hey, this is when it's not normal. This is when you should probably let somebody know that your periods are being this way. I didn't know growing up. I had no idea I was having a heavy period. I had no idea that my pain wasn't normal. I had no idea that my clotting wasn't normal. Everyone told me, yeah, this seems fine to me. So I went on for over a decade not realizing that all of this stuff was not normal. And when you say not normal, it also seems like you mean fixable as well. Mm -hmm. So that's probably surprising. Yeah, absolutely. I wish more people knew that they didn't have to suffer and that they didn't have to just be stuck on either birth control or pain meds as their only solutions. It's so interesting because one of the messages I see you giving a lot is that the pill doesn't necessarily fix a problem with someone's Mm -hmm. pocket. What do you mean when you say that? The pill by nature is there to stop you from getting pregnant. They're called oral contraceptives, so contra opposite of conception. And it works by stopping you from ovulating. So without ovulation, you're not getting that up and down fluctuation of those hormones. You don't get that FSH and LH rise. You're not making progesterone. Your estrogen stays the same the whole time you're on the pill. It's whatever amount is in the pill. So you get this Band-Aid that kind of keeps you from having a real or true period and you think all your problems are gone because you're not ovulating. You don't have those up and down fluctuations anymore of those hormones. So those symptoms go away. And then you get off the pill and all those symptoms that were there before, which weren't being addressed, have now come back. And sometimes they come back even worse because they've been ignored for so long. You weren't taking care of the underlying cause. You get off the pill, you rip off that Band-Aid, and there's this huge gash underneath that wasn't healing. We're going to go through some root causes for potential period problems in a minute because I know the people at home are already thinking, oh my gosh, I've been doing a Band-Aid fix when I could have been doing a root cause fix. So we're going to dive into that. But for the people at home who don't know how their cycle works, just give us the one minute physiology lesson that you wish everyone was taught about when it comes to period health. Yes. So I love using my handy dandy menstrual cycle chart visual when I do this. So I'm going to try and do it without that. So the main point of your menstrual cycle centers around ovulation. And this is why it's so important to even know if you are ovulating and not just with an app that predicts it, but some other kind of tool. And that's a whole other like hour long podcast in and of itself on how to track that. So I'm not going to get into that, but it's just really important to know that ovulation is the main piece of your cycle. So it splits your menstrual cycle into two phases, the follicular phase and the luteal phase. Your follicular phase is the follicle phase. It's helping to release that follicle or your egg, which is ovulation. Your follicular phase is gearing you up for that big monumentous ovulation piece in the middle of your cycle. And your estrogen is what's responsible for building up that endometrial lining during that time. When it reaches a peak that's high enough, it triggers FSH and LH, and that's what releases that egg. Mm -hmm. And then once ovulation occurs, that sac that your egg was in, it's called the corpus luteum, that starts secreting progesterone. And this is your luteal phase. And if implantation didn't happen, if no fertilization of that egg happened, then all your hormones drop and that triggers your period and your endometrial lining is shutting. So that's the main point of your cycle. 
So the cycle split into two parts. First part, getting ready. Second part is after ovulation. And each part is roughly two weeks. So now that we have that understanding of physiology and that understanding of the way hormones fluctuate throughout the cycle, let's get into the root cause stuff. So one of the things that I see you talking about a lot is painful cramps and delivering folks the message that they don't have to live with that. It's not normal and that it's fixable. What are you telling folks that's changing the game for them? For your period pain, I really want you to know that there's the most common cause of period pain is an excess of prostaglandins. And prostaglandins are these chemical-like hormones that are basically part of your inflammatory pathway. And so it's coming from this excess of inflammation. And when we can start to address that, you're going to start to see less issues with your pain. You're probably also going to start to see less issues with things like period poops and breast tenderness and some of those PMS symptoms that you're having as well. So the number one thing is going to be that excess of prostaglandins. Prostaglandins are important. We need a little bit because it's what helps to contract our uterus to expel that lining. But when we have too much, that's when we start to see those symptoms of pain, of cramping, of period poops that stuff, headaches, migraines, can also cause issues like joint pain or nonspecific joint pain or headaches, migraines, even outside of your cycle. So those inflammatory levels are really important. And once we start to address those from wherever they're coming from, we start to see a lot of improvement in that pain. So prostaglandins type of inflammation can make cramps worse. And you're saying when you lower that, cramps can get better. What are some of the naturopathic interventions you would use to help people lower prostaglandins naturally. I like to see where that inflammation is coming from. Often it's really coming from the gut. I see a lot of women have gut issues that are leading to their period issues. I like to tell people that if you have gut issues, it is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you are going to have period issues too. So if your gut issues are new, they're going to eventually lead to period issues. Why is that? What's the biochemistry there that links the gut and period health? Most of your immune system is coming from your gut. So those inflammatory markers, if they're really high, that inflammation level is coming from your gut. So we really want to see what's happening in your gut that's causing that. And then another factor is your gut is a huge source of elimination of things like your hormones. So if your hormones and waste products are not getting out of your body, that's going to start building up in your body and causing issues. So those are two huge factors as to why your gut health is so important for any kind of hormonal issue. I know everyone now wants to know what they can do for their gut. Let's dive into that. When you find something's wrong in the gut, what are you going to do to help fix it? It depends what's going on. A lot of times when I see women who have heavy periods, I almost always know, I ask, are you constipated? And usually the answer is yes. And so that constipation is something we're going to start with. A lot of women also have issues with things like gas or bloating or indigestion or feeling just full of air, really distended after a meal. All of those symptoms are telling me you have some kind of dysbiosis going on. So we really need to address that dysbiosis first. And I really love using herbal antimicrobials for that. They work so, so well. And then using a binder to just help bind up everything that those antimicrobials are killing off and excreting it from your body. Because what happens when we have dysbiosis? It's an overgrowth of bacteria or parasites or fungi or something in your gut. And your good bacteria just can't overcrowd them. So we need to do a little bit of killing off of that overgrowth so that your flora can get back into a nice balance. And it's interesting when you talked earlier about how estrogen helps to build up the endometrial lining. So that's what you're actually shedding during your period. Estrogen dominance throughout the cycle will make that worse. So then you wind up with a lot more lining to shed and a lot heavier. Exactly. 
And I think we should just get into this now. You are like known to everyone in the world as the period health doctor, but I actually (laughs) think of you as being like the period and gut and liver health doctor because of the link between the liver and the gut when it comes to getting rid of estrogen from the body. Can you explain that? How does that work? So your liver is what is processing everything in your body. And then your gut is one of the main factors of clearing that out. So if your liver is having trouble, if there's too much going on in your environment that you're having to process, if you drink a lot of alcohol or coffee or eat a lot of fast food and processed foods, and you're living in a really polluted area or in the city, and you're not doing things to help your body get rid and help your liver process all of those things, it's going to start backing up. And your hormones are just another thing that your liver is also processing and metabolizing and getting out of your body. And so when your load becomes so heavy, you start seeing these issues because one, your liver is just, it's taxed. It might be the straw that broke the camel's back. You just might have one too many things. And then you also have these issues with your gut and you're not clearing all that waste out. So it's a twofold factor that's causing these period issues. Period symptoms or anything around your cycles are a bigger sign that something else in your body is off. So it's never your period that's the first thing. If we want to say chicken or the egg, your period symptoms are usually not causing other stuff. It's usually your liver that's off first. It's usually your gut that's been off for a while that's down the road causing period issues. Oh my gosh, I can hear people rewinding that and listening again to that part. That's a powerful message that I think a lot of people don't hear. They may go into a doctor, tell them they have period issues, leave with a prescription and never get some of the root cause workup that you're talking about. So I want to get into some of that because you actually are very thorough when you are trying to find someone's root cause of period issues and you have some standard labs that you run. I know this because people ask you all the time. (laughs) Yes. On social media, what should I check? And so what are some of the things you're looking for when you're doing that workup? When I look at a full panel, what I'm really doing is making sure that there's no underlying cause that is missed. A lot of times with things like heavy bleeding and PMS, we might not see anything show up on your labs, but I don't want to say that I did a very surface level amount of labs. And then I'm like, yeah, everything on your labs are fine. So I like to do a full in-depth look at everything going on in your blood before I say, okay, this is more of a functional issue. This is probably because your liver is overburdened or there's something going on with your gut. So that starts with an iron panel. That's I want to do a CBC and a CMP. I want to look at your insulin levels. I want to do a full thyroid panel. I want to look at your hormones, your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, your DHEA. I want to get a full idea of what's going on with all of these pieces before I say, yeah, there's nothing else going on. Let's figure out some of these functional pieces. And you mentioned estrogen and progesterone, which I think people will know, okay, that makes sense. I heard Dr. Bala talk about that earlier. You also mentioned testosterone and DHEA. And many folks at home may be thinking, if you're in a body that has a uterus, why would you need to check testosterone and DHEA? Yeah. So a lot of times when testosterone and DHEA are elevated, that can be a cause of irregular periods, especially in people who have PCOS. That's a huge factor for one of the criteria of diagnosis for PCOS actually is seeing that elevation of those androgens like testosterone and DHEA. So I really like to look at that, especially if you have Any of those symptoms of cystic acne, facial hair growth, hair loss, weight gain, that kind of stuff, and irregular periods. You also run another hormone as well, and people may not have recognized it, 
when you said its name. So insulin is a hormone. Why are you running that as part of your comprehensive workup? I love running insulin because so many people have issues with their blood sugar regulation, and it's not going to show up in your fasting glucose. It's not going to show up in your hemoglobin A1C, which those are the two tests most people get done with their primary care or their OB or endo, but they're not getting their insulin tested. And that is one of the first things that I start to see elevated well before A1C is ever elevated, well before fasting glucose is ever elevated. So I always like to check insulin because it's the earlier signs of, hey, there's something going off with your blood sugar regulation with maybe how you're eating, how you're moving, how you're sleeping, what's going on that we can figure out in those functional pieces so that this doesn't turn into a bigger blood sugar issue later on. So if you see that fasting insulin is high, what does that tell you about the person's metabolic health? It's telling me that they might not be doing things that are helping keep their blood sugar at a happy, stable level all day. It might be going really high and then crashing really low. It might just be spiking really high and then not quite coming back down. There's a lot of different reasons why it might be happening, but it's really good to get an idea of that because if you have issues with PMS symptoms or if you have brain fog or if you feel fatigued all day or if you get crashes in your energy throughout the day, all of those are symptoms of a blood sugar dysregulation. And we really want to look at your insulin because it'll give us a clue into, is this possibly why that's happening? And the fixes for that are so simple. So a lot of times I see insulin elevated on people's labs and I'm like, oh, let's focus on getting you to eat a little bit more protein, walk a little bit more after your meals. And just these small, simple fixes make such a big difference for people's energy and their mood. They tell me that they are waking up better in the morning, that their energy is more sustained throughout the day, that they don't feel as grumpy and irritable throughout the day. And it's just such simple changes that make such a big difference. It makes sense because insulin is the key that unlocks our cells so that sugar can get in and our cells can actually have and create energy. So that makes sense to me. But also the cells of our ovaries are sensitive to insulin as well. And so if they're having a problem getting fuel, they're not going to be able to help produce the hormones that we need to regulate a healthy cycle. So it sounds like just one biomarker can affect so many different parts of someone's picture. And I'm glad you're running it. And it sounds like you see really profound results with some really foundational root cause interventions for that. Oh, absolutely. That's great. The other thing you mentioned was CBC CMP. And so comprehensive metabolic panel. Why are you running that? Just for the folks at home who may not know what's included in that panel. The main things I really look at in there are your fasting glucose and then probably your liver enzymes. I don't look at a ton of other stuff, but it is also looking at the electrolytes in your blood and testing for kidney function, which is very important. I don't work with the population of people where those are going to be super off. So yes, it's important. Am I really diving deep into those pieces? No. You're mostly looking at liver health. So liver mm -hmm. enzymes will get elevated if someone's liver is damaged or it's an indicator to you that the liver isn't working very well and may not be processing hormones. We'll say liver function testing alone is not enough. Like even if that comes back normal, that doesn't mean that your liver isn't under some amount of stress. It's just that it's not under so much stress that it's showing up on those labs. I gotcha. Same thing with the electrolytes. I totally get what you're saying. So one of the things that Dr. Bala was referring to you guys is that often electrolytes will only be abnormal in severe situations or if you have something like chronic kidney disease or you're taking certain medications though that's a little more rare to show up as abnormal. With the CBC and iron, what are you looking for there and why? 
Yeah, I just want to make sure because I work a lot with women who have really heavy bleeding. I want to make sure it hasn't gotten to the point of anemia. And if it has, that we're addressing it. And that's really what you can see in those iron panels and with the CBC is what level of anemia do you have? So as a naturopathic doctor, you have a really wide toolkit when it comes to the interventions you're able to offer your clients to heal their period symptoms. So nutrition, herbal medicine, lifestyle, counseling, exercise, movement. Tell us some of your favorite ones. So magnesium is one that I absolutely love, but it's one that I think we hear about all the time. Another one that I think is so underrated is raspberry leaf tea. I love giving raspberry her time in the light because I just don't feel like enough people know about it. It's one of my favorite herbs for period health because not only can you use it for period pain, you can also use it as labor prep. I know a lot of midwives who talk about using raspberry leaf tea for labor prep too. So I particularly love it because it's a uterine tonic. It helps to bonify your uterine muscles. So if it's a little bit too loose, it helps to strengthen it up. If it's a little bit too tight, it helps to relax it. So I find that drinking a couple cups a day of raspberry leaf tea, people's pain goes down so significantly. It's like magic because it's literally tea. And you wouldn't think something as simple as a tea every day would make such a big difference for your pain. But I just have nothing but great things to say about raspberry leaf tea. It's got magnesium. It's got some B vitamins. It's also a tonifying herb. So it's working in several different ways to help with that pain. You mentioned inositol as well a bit earlier. Why do you like that? I love inositol more for blood sugar regulation. It also has a lot of research in thyroid health to help with Hashimoto's and like the autoimmune side of things. So I use it a lot for women who have thyroid issues or something like PCOS or just insulin resistance in general. Because it helps to improve insulin sensitivity. Yeah. And actually, I learned from you that it's also really great for anxiety and panic attacks. That's why my ears perked up when you said that. That's like, <laughs> oh, one of my favorites. It's like a best kept secret that I wish wasn't kept. Like it needs right. to be known. Yeah. My clients with anxiety and panic attacks, I've had clients be able to eliminate their panic attacks with a holistic plan that included inositol. And it just feels like a miracle nutrient because it really doesn't have any side effects. And it's very safe, pretty powerful. And it actually tastes pretty good. If you put some powder in your water, yeah. I love it. I What's funny is because Ovastol has little packets and I take it like a pixie stick because it just tastes like sugar. <laughs> I love it, but it's not. So it's like- It's not, right. Yes. helping improve your insulin sensitivity. Yeah, I've actually had people tell me that when they started taking it, they're like, I don't crave sugar anymore. I don't feel like I need that sugar fix after my dinner anymore. So I love it. I love it. You also mentioned some antimicrobials that you use- when people have dysbiosis and people may not know what that term means. Can you explain that? I think we talked a little bit about what dysbiosis is. Basically just an overgrowth of the quote unquote bad flora, bacteria, viruses, fungi, anything like that. And you want to kill them off. And usually in the conventional world, we'll use antibiotics for that. But antibiotics can be harsh and they can cause so many other issues of their own. So we like to use, I like to use herbal antimicrobials for that. Antimicrobials just means things that can be antiviral and antibacterial and antiparasitic and antifungal. So it's a wide variety of things so that you're not feeling like you need to take an antibiotic and an antifungal. One of my favorites for that oil of oregano is great. I also really love biocidin. It's just a very universal one. I will say people who have really severe dysbiosis 
Please work with a practitioner to use that because if you do the dosing wrong, if you don't use a binder, if your elimination pathways aren't open, I have worked with lots of people where we went too fast, their elimination wasn't working right, and it caused more severe symptoms. So it is important to make sure that you work with someone who knows how to use antimicrobials effectively so you don't worsen your issues. Because herbs are medicine. I think a lot of people get, yeah, that plants are the original medicines. That's what a lot of our original pharmaceuticals were made from. Yes. And they're powerful. They are very powerful. Um, and can be dangerous, in fact, if used the wrong way. So part of your naturopathic training was herbal medicine. And herbalists, the certified herbalist, would also have some training in that. And then many functional medicine doctors have training mm-hmm. in herbalists. So guys, if you're thinking at home, who do I talk to about antimicrobials? Yes. <laughs> if you're not yes. in Washington, California, Arizona, and you can't see Dr. Bala, then you should look for one of those other docs. Or you talk about these in your course, right? I talk about them in my course. Yes, please work with your provider on how to use this effectively and properly because there is a right and a wrong way to do it. And that's why you need to go watch the course, guys. So you can walk through the algorithms there of how to decide which ones you're going to talk to your doctor about. Thank you for sharing that because I think it helps give folks some really easy pointers about, I can just talk with my doctor the next time I see them about this one thing. Hey, do you think inositol could be helpful for me? I heard this podcast, I read this study. And sometimes that's the one thing that can help get them some momentum and start feeling better. And then they can develop a holistic plan from there. So thanks for sharing that. I hear you talk about heavy bleeding a lot. And I feel like it's because one person hears that you've helped somebody else with heavy bleeding. And so now (laughs) everyone with heavy bleeding is coming to you to fix them. And you actually taught me a fascinating fact, which is that 30% of the hysterectomies performed in the U.S. are due to heavy bleeding that cannot be stopped. What is something that surprises people about the root causes of heavy bleeding that allows you to fix it for them? I really think that it is as simple as getting that estrogen out of your body. Estrogen dominance is one of the biggest factors that I see for heavy bleeding. It's that estrogen that is just unopposed. It's not coming out of your body and or your progesterone may not be high enough to counteract the effects of it. We see these people who have such high estrogen levels that it's just constantly stimulating that uterine lining to grow and grow thicker and thicker. And then that may result in fibroids, that may result in cysts, that may result in fibrocystic breasts. And so once we can focus on getting that elimination piece working, getting that estrogen out of their body, that within two to three cycles, they have less bleeding, they have less clotting, they have less pain, they have less breast tenderness. It's really amazing how getting your body, just the floodgates open, getting that estrogen out can make all the difference. Two months is quick to see results with that. And folks can actually work with you. They don't have to be like next door to you to see you. You've actually created a course online where people can do this at home themselves. What's in that course? Because I want people to know about that as a resource. Yeah, I realized after a few years in practice, I was saying a lot of the same things over and over to everyone that I worked with day in and day out. And I was like, you know what? I need to turn this into a course. I want to create a roadmap for people who are struggling, who maybe can't work with me one-on-one. They're not ready to work with someone one-on-one. They want to do it themselves. And so I laid out everything that I go through with my patients one-on-one. I went through what testing do you need to get? What does that look like? How do you look at your own labs and what does it mean? How do you know which supplements are going to be right for you? How do you know what to track in your cycle? How do you know what's normal? How do you know when you have heavy bleeding? How do you know when to seek help? And then also we talk about which herbs, which nutrient therapies would be helpful for you, how to know what's going on with your periods and how to know what to do for it so you don't feel so confused and you can actually put each of these pieces together and 
create your own plan. I can hear your heart coming through when you talk about this. And I feel like part of the reason that you do such a good job of explaining things to folks is because of your own story that inspired you to get into this type of practice. Will you tell us that story? Yeah. So I think I talked a little bit about it, but I struggled a lot with heavy bleeding and painful periods and clotting and gut issues from the age of 13. I was really young when I struggled with all these issues and we didn't know what to do. We didn't have all the resources. And it wasn't until I went to naturopathic medical school and in my third years, I realized, wait a minute, look at all these things we can do for our liver and our gut relating to my periods. And I started implementing those. And literally within three cycles, I didn't have pain anymore. I didn't have any heavy bleeding. My clotting went away. I didn't have PMS, like mood swings at all. It was just amazing. I was shocked and also pissed that I went that long, <laughs> feeling so miserable. And within just a few cycles, I felt so much better. I'm very grateful that you took that like shock and those intense emotions and you went and you were like, I am going to change the world and make sure this never happens to anyone else. Right, yes. I was like, everyone needs to know that they don't need to go another decade feeling absolutely horrible, just waiting for menopause to happen. Yes, okay, preach. I'm just glad that you are here with the microphone. I have more questions to ask you. You were on another podcast recently, the Make Some Noise podcast. And when discussing menopause, you said... Menopause until your late 40s, if you're getting hot flashes and if you're getting changes to your period and it's more irregular and you haven't hit your late 40s yet, that needs to be a red flag. And I'm paraphrasing here. Tell us what was the message you were trying to send with that? And especially what do you feel like the message that people are getting or if they're normalizing this that you kind of have yes. to ask folks? It's the same thing with period pain, the same thing with all of our period issues. Like it's normal. If you have a period, you're going to have pain. If you have a period, you're going to have mood swings. If you have a period, it's going to be really heavy and miserable. And it's just a part of life. And we hear the same thing about menopause. Oh, it's miserable. You're going to be cranky. You're going to turn into this really angry, mean woman who has hot flashes and feels miserable and alternates between feeling really irritable and feeling really emotional and cry. Like we see that trope everywhere of this menopausal woman. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can easily transition into menopause without having hot flashes, without feeling super moody, without having night sweats, without feeling so emotional. It's the same with your PMS symptoms. If you had those issues, then you're probably going to have a harder time with a transition into menopause. So once we address those issues, you won't have those symptoms anymore. So really viewing those symptoms again as like signs that something is wrong at a deeper level. And in the same way you can heal period symptoms, you can heal the symptoms that are commonly associated with menopause. I think that's going to be really surprising to a lot of people to hear. So I forgot, I got excited and I moved past. You were nice enough to write up a case study for us because I think one of the things I see people really resonating with when you talk online is hearing how easy it can be to have success, how it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need to take a ton of pills. And Anna is a really great example. She's someone who came to you with heavy bleeding and you were able to help her using your very holistic approach. Can you walk us through that case? And I think people at home will see either themselves or someone they love in Anna. Anna was, she was 31 when she came to me and she was having significant pain, heavy bleeding. She had fatigue and her heavy bleeding had started a few years ago. And that's when she started noticing her pain. She told me that she had been bleeding through overnight pads every three to four hours. So that's really heavy. 
And she would get really bad mood swings and irritability. She had really low energy levels. She had some gut issues. She was bloated all the time. She had a lot of stuff going on. And she was told, according to her OBGYN, that she should just be on birth control to manage that bleeding and the irregular cycles. But she came to me because she was like, I just don't want to be on birth control anymore. She wanted to get pregnant in the near future. So she was like, I kind of want to figure out my cycles before I get pregnant instead of staying on birth control and then just getting off and getting pregnant. So that's when she found me. And we ran some tests, nothing significant, really came back on her lab work. Her insulin was high. So that was definitely something we addressed. And then she did have some signs of anemia. She had very mildly elevated antibody, thyroid antibodies, but I think that was more coming from an inflammatory factor, more so than a thyroid issue because all her other thyroid labs are fine. So we started with very simple interventions. We started with postprandial walking. So walking for 10 to 15 minutes after she ate to help lower those insulin levels and promote some metabolic flexibility. And then we talked about a bedtime routine. Her current routine was a little bit all over the place. She would go to bed anytime between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m., so a very wide range. And she was waking up very tired, didn't have energy throughout the day, was taking a nap after work. And so her sleep habits were a little bit all over the place. So that's what we started with, a bedtime routine to really help promote melatonin production, help with a healthy circadian rhythm so that she could have energy when she wakes up and throughout the day and not need a nap. And then we focused on a high-protein breakfast and a high-fiber diet. So adding in 30 grams of protein with her breakfast, adding in a cup of veggies and fruit with her meals, just to help regulate that blood sugar a little bit more because her insulin levels were high. And then we added in a couple of supplements. For her, we added in a little bit of liver support that included DIM. We added in some iron because she was anemic. And then we added in some blood sugar support with inositol. And then lastly, some vitamin D because our vitamin D levels were pretty low. What is DIM? So DIM is methane. It is one of the components that we find in things like cruciferous veggies. So broccoli, cauliflower, kale, all of those cruciferous veggies, we see it is really helpful for liver metabolism and phase one liver metabolism of your estrogen. So I find it works really well for people who have these symptoms of estrogen dominance to add that into their routine to help lower that estrogen and get that out of their body. So we did all those pieces. And then I followed up with her in about two to three cycles. So about three months later, she came back And she was feeling so much better. She had significantly less bleeding. She had two cycles since our last visit together. And she went from bleeding, remember, through those overnight pads every three to four hours. When I followed up with her, she said she was only bleeding through her pads one to twice a day. So it was significantly less than it was before. And she was only bleeding for a total of three to five days, whereas before she would have bleeding for weeks at a time that just wouldn't end. She was able to sleep through the night. She was going to bed earlier. She was waking up with energy. She didn't have to take naps throughout the day anymore. Her gas and bloating had improved since increasing her fiber intake. And her bowel movements were more formed, more regular, instead of being random and loose as they were before. Wow. And then we did her lab work again. And most of her markers had started to improve. They were still a little bit elevated, but they started coming down, which was really exciting. Wow. And now, how's she doing now? She's still doing well. I checked in with her actually recently just to be like, hey, how are things going? I hope you're doing well. And she was like, everything is still good. My cycles are still very regular. I'm not having heavy bleeding anymore. I'm just so grateful that I got to do all of that. 
So with just a few visits in just a few weeks, this problem she'd been having weeks out of the month that was making her tired and miserable and bloated is resolved. Yeah. And no pills, no prescriptions. No and prescriptions. Yeah. So this is doable. It is doable. I That's my biggest thing. I feel like sometimes in the health and wellness space, people feel overwhelmed. They're like, I have to cut this out. I have to be restrictive. I can't eat this. I have to have a three-hour morning routine and a bedtime routine. And I have to devote so much time and so much energy to supplement. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. I really like to make things as easy as possible and show you that you can make these small changes. And it's just about finding what's going to work best for your body. And once you figure that out, within a couple of cycles, you're going to feel so much better. And it's just so exciting because you don't have to feel like you're cutting out all your favorite foods and feeling like you're spending hours in a day counting how many pills you need to take and making up this huge routine for your bedtime and morning. It really is just small, simple changes that can make a big difference over time. Amazing. I think a ton of people are feeling inspired. I want to know from you if you could wave a magic wand and change the way we do women's healthcare, particularly their hormonal healthcare in this country, what would you change? That's such a big question. What would I change? I think I would just change how much your periods are not talked about. I want to just normalize like one, talking about your periods and two, talking about how to know when your periods are normal. This is kind of just bringing it full circle to that first question of, I just want everyone to be more in tune with their bodies. Like how, I feel like if I asked you, when was the last time you pooped or peed? You wouldn't be like, oh, I don't know. And that's how we talk about our periods. I don't know when my last period was. I don't know if I have symptoms. I get so many women and I ask them, when was your last period? When do you notice these symptoms in your cycle? And they're like, I have no idea what day of my cycle I'm on. I don't know if I'm in my luteal or follicular phase. I don't know when my last. It's so like this thing that you just ignore. So I really wish that more people would track their periods and just be more in tune with their body because just being aware is already part of the battle. And it sounds like you have some apps or some things that make it easy to track. I like to use apps for sure for tracking ovulation. I There are so many different tools that you can use. It really just depends on what your favorite method is. I personally love tracking basal body temperature. I think it gives me so much information. I can see exactly when my temperature rises. I can see when I'm in my luteal phase. I can see when I'm about to enter my follicular phase. So it gives me all the information I need. I know some people want more information and there's little devices that you can track with your urine metabolites. There there's other devices where you can track your cervical mucus. There's so many different ways you can track. My favorite way is basal body temperature because I'm lazy and I want to do the easiest possible thing. <laughs> it's still some work to track basal body temperature. You have to do it every day. You do, but they have lots of tools that have made it easy. TempDrop is one that I really love using because you just put the armband on. You don't have to think about anything and then you wake up and sync it with your app. So they've made it as easy as possible to do that. <laughs> And you go through a lot of this in your course of like how to find the best tracker. Exactly, exactly. Is there anything you want to leave our audience with today as we wrap up? I think just not being afraid to get to know your body more intimately. I think it's one of the biggest tools that I learned in naturopathic medicine was being more connected to what works for my body and knowing my body so deeply helps me find better therapies, better supplements. I know what works for my body because I'm aware of what's happening in it. Beautiful. And where can people find out more about you and your online course? You can check me out on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I have a website with some blogs. So all of that information for the course will be, I talk about it in my Instagram. I talk about it on TikTok and it's all on my website as well. 
and it's Period Solutions Academy. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Bala, for being here with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Kate. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you loved today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? Our whole goal is bringing this education to the people who need it. And positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing and we so appreciate it. We'll catch you next time on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast.